Welcome. Hey, it's good to be with you this weekend. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Garrett. I get to serve as the director of Next Gen Ministries here at River Glen. Uh, last week, we got to have a really fun weekend. Me and the RG Youth team, we got to take about 70 uh, middle and high school students away for our annual winter camp, and it was a blast. Uh, no kid fell through the ice, and we only had one chipped tooth playing broom ball. So I'll chalk it up as a huge success for the weekend. It was a good time. Time. Uh, but it is good to be with you this weekend. I want you for a moment to just imagine uh, as snow is covering uh, our roads and our driveways and our parking lot, uh, to imagine a nice summer day when you were a kid. All right, could you go there with me? I remember one summer day, <clears throat> my brother and I had finished our chores and we were headed to 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven on the West Coast is quick trip out here, okay? It is the prized possession. So we were headed to 7-Eleven and uh, in our journey in between, in our home and 7-Eleven, there was this big hill that we had to go down. And I was skateboarding and my brother was on his bike. And so we're cruising down this hill and I realized about halfway down this hill, I'm going a little bit faster than I think I want to or than I should. And so I have this kind of decision to make. Do I bail? Do I keep going? And I got what's called the speed wobbles. Anybody familiar with the speed wobbles, right? The wheels, the trucks begin to shake, your board, your feet, your legs, you begin to shake. So I decide in that moment, it's best that I bail, okay? Now the road comes to a T and there's another road that's crossing. So as I bail, I'm moving too fast. I can't just jump off and stop. So I have to jump and then I immediately start running. Luckily, thank God, there's no car coming and I didn't get hit by a car, but I keep running. I hit a curb that's ahead of me. I trip over the curb. Beyond the curb is a fence to an elementary school. My face meets the metal and my feet hit the back of my head. This position is what is known as a scorpion. For those of you unfamiliar with wipeout terminology, my brother rides over to me and I think at this point is assuming I'm dead and he finds me just groaning on the sidewalk. Oh my gosh, what happened? He helps me out, like checks, checks, sees why I'm okay. I kind of catch my breath for a moment, process what just happened. And then we just rode back home. Like it was too traumatic of an experience to continue on for Slurpees and candy. So we just went back home, right? And that was, that was the day. I tell you this story to one, confess that I did not by any means belong on a skateboard, okay? I was a poser. And two, because I believe that for many of us, we have gotten the speed wobbles, now, maybe it has been a very, very long time since you have stepped foot on a skateboard, but if we were to look and examine our life, I think we would realize that we are going too fast, that we have gotten the speed wobbles and some things in our lives are beginning to shake. That's why we've been in this series called A Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, because we all have hurry sickness. We have hurry sickness. And this book, this beautiful, wonderful book by John Mark Comer invites us through the ways and words of Jesus to combat the raging current that is hurry and busyness and work and more. We need to slow down. So we've been camping out in this book, A Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And throughout this book, John Mark Comer invites us to four practices to combat 
hurry. Those practices are Sabbath, slowing, simplicity, and solitude or silence. I want to talk to you this weekend about the invitation that we have in Scripture through Jesus to a life of simplicity. As you can see, we've changed up the stage a bit. The set list is a little different. Even the posture we're going to be taking throughout this message is a little bit stripped down, stripped back, simplified. So that we can get our hearts in the right place to focus on what or who matters. So what I want to do for our time together is really present to you what I believe is the problem, share with you the invitation that we have from Jesus, look at two practices that we can implement, and then we will see together, hopefully, the resolution. But before we do that, let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you in a hurry. And I pray in this moment that we would just breathe and stop and find rest in your presence. God, we acknowledge that there are many, many things fighting for our attention and many, many things that are keeping us from experiencing this beautiful and good and simple life that you invite us to. So God, in this moment, whatever it is that we came in carrying or dealing with, I pray that we would not press it down, but rather bring it to you. Would we hand it over to you? We ask that you would speak to us, that you would be with us. We know that you are already here in this place, but God, we ask that you would meet us where we are at this morning. It is in your name we pray. Amen. So here's the problem. The problem is that our need for more is killing us. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, starting in verse 31. He says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Jesus realizes and sees that our need and desire for more or what's next, what is coming, is causing worry and anxiety. There are many, many things in our lives that are fighting for our attention. And this is causing stress and worry and, and, and distrust in God. One uh, Netflix employee said that their number one competition... Their number one competition, it is not Hulu or Disney Plus or any other streaming service. It is sleep. Their number one competition is sleep, right? And if we're being honest, even just our media, because right, that is something that is fighting for our attention, right? Imagine for a moment, a, an evening where you're watching a good Netflix show. I think every Netflix show is designed, every episode is designed to end with a cliffhanger, right? Every single one of them, they end and you're like, okay, maybe we go one more. Maybe we just do, okay, maybe we just do one more, right? And then they give you what? Like 15 seconds to decide if you're going to or not going to watch. And then it just starts playing. Like there's no option. It's not, they make it very, very easy for you to not have to decide if you're not going to or going to keep watching. And if you're like me, you, in those 15 seconds, you're like, 
All right, yeah, let's just do just one more, right? Anybody else? Just one more. But what ends up happening? You watch one more, you end up going to bed late. You wake up a little tired, maybe irritable. You miss your time with Jesus. In the hustle and bustle of the morning, you let your hurry talk. You say something uh, that you're going to regret to maybe your spouse or your roommate or the kids. And now you're in the car headed to either work or school or the kid, take the kids here. And now you're stressed in traffic. And on your drive, you spill your coffee on yourself because the stupid lid keeps popping off because you had to grab your second favorite mug because you forgot to wash your favorite mug and you don't like that lid as much. Or you're not dealing with that problem, but you just had to go get Starbucks and you spent more money again. And so now you're dealing with the dilemma internally of do you go back home and change and waste time or do you just go about your day in your wet pants and now you're mad at work and you're kind of irritated at your coworkers and you end up missing a deadline or messing something up. And then finally, thank God, the day is over. You get to leave work. You've had a long day, so we'll skip the gym today, right? Maybe we'll go tomorrow. And it's in this moment that you become very vulnerable. You have the choice to, uh, to either go to a comfort food or maybe an old habit, or maybe you just go home, you sit on the couch, you pour yourself a drink, you turn on Netflix and you do it all over again. Any, anyone else? Or is that just, that's just me? Okay. Here's what happens in these moments. We start to believe that the new or next thing will fix everything. John Mark Comer says in his book, he says, shopping is now the number one leisure activity in America. I, I may have accidentally helped with this. Usurping the place previously held by religion. Amazon is the new temple. Visa statement is the new altar. Double clicking is the new liturgy. Lifestyle bloggers are the priests and priestesses. Money is the new God. There has to be a better way, right? Jesus invites us to a better way. Here's the invitation. We read this in Mark 8. Jesus says in Mark 8 verse 35, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it, will save their life. Then he asks this, it's so important. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Yet forfeit their soul. Right now, uh, our daughter, who's six months old, uh, is just kind of at the stage where she just wants to eat everything. Like everything goes in her mouth. Uh, if we're watching TV, the remote goes in her mouth. She sees me on my phone, she tries to grab it, put it in her mouth. I don't think she knows what half her toys do. She just puts it in her mouth. That's all she wants to do is eat it. The other day we're at dinner and we're having tacos and I'm in conversation and she's sitting on my lap and she reaches over and rips a piece of tortilla off of my fajita. And I've got to like really quickly pull it out of her hand so she doesn't eat it, Right. Because it didn't have guac. So I put guac on it and gave it back to her. Let her try it. And it was, she loved it. She was like, this is so good. Thank you. Um, here's the thing. Pastor Dave Lomas says this. He says, we are doing the same thing with this world. We're trying to fit in the world and all of its stuff into our mouth. And we're choking. And maybe we're not trying to fit things in our mouths like a baby, but we are trying to shove as many things as possible into our lives and into our soul. Just trying to fit as much as we can. We have what's deemed as stuffitis. We like our stuff. It's interesting to note, though, that in this verse in Mark 8, the word for life that Jesus uses is not referring to a spiritual or eternal or afterlife. 
Jesus is talking about saving your physical life, your being, your human nature, your breath in your lungs, who you are, your physical life. Why is this important? Because I think oftentimes, myself, I do this all the time, and maybe you do too, we assume that Jesus only cares about our eternal life. That Jesus is only interested or invested in our afterlife. But see, following Jesus is not just about going to heaven when we die. Following Jesus is about experiencing heaven here in the now on earth. Following Jesus is about living in the life, the full and good life that Jesus has for us on earth. And this begins when we seek first his kingdom. When we seek first his ways. I believe it's time that we start evaluating what we are giving our attention to. Jesus is inviting us to a better way, a way of simplicity, a way without speed wobbles, a way without anxiety and worry, a way that is rooted in and emulating the kingdom and the way of Jesus, a way that does not cost us our souls. The invitation is that we would join Jesus on mission. That's what this is all about, to join him on mission, to live freer and lighter and simpler. Here's the whole point. Here's my whole point for you. Embracing a life of simplicity frees us up to live on mission in the life Jesus invites us to. Embracing a life of simplicity frees us up to live on mission. So there's two areas, two areas of our life that I wanna challenge us, two practices that I believe we can implement. The first one is this, a simplicity of materials. Simplicity of materials. In 1927, Wall Street Wolf, Paul Mazur of Lehman Brothers said this, We must shift America from a needs to desires culture. People must be trained to desire, to want new things, even before the old have been entirely consumed. We must shape a new mentality. Man's desires must overshadow his needs. This was in 1927. Y'all, this is terrifying. Because here's the bad news. I think it worked. I think that's the life and the world that we're living in that many of us are trapped in. I mean, consider for a moment the storage unit industry. No offense to those of you involved in the storage unit industry, right? But the U.S. alone has 2.3 billion square footage of self-storage. 2.3 billion square footage of self-storage. That is the size of Milwaukee. You could fill Milwaukee with all of our extra stuff. We like our stuff. And I am just as guilty of this. If anyone knows me, they know I love a good pair of shoes or a nice mug or the, a, a nice little fun gadget or what have you. I don't know. But, but, but I don't know what it is for you, right? Maybe there's something. Maybe it's the new phone every time it drops. That need that you've, you, you've got to go get it. And even though your phone is working just fine, you start to realize this battery kind of dies a lot quicker than, I, than I'd like it to. I do need the new one. Anybody else? That's, that's me. Maybe it's the new insulated water bottle, or maybe it's just the bigger or the better fill in the blank. A TV, a car, a house. 
See, we have a hard time believing that our stuff correlates to our spirituality, that our stuff has anything to do with our spiritual life and our walk with God. But notice what Jesus says. In Matthew 6, right before he talks about how worried we are, this is what he says. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the question for us to ask. Where is our treasure? What or who are you worshiping? Have you bought the lie? To quote the rapper Drizzy Drake, you hate the fact that you bought the dream and they sold you one. Here's the problem. The dream was a lie. See, what if the answer wasn't more stuff or more money to just fill a void that quickly vapors and we're left with bins of things we don't really like and money to blow on more of it, but we're left with no joy and no peace. To quote my second and final rapper of this message, Biggie Small said, more money, more problems. Maybe in this context, more stuff. more problems. See, Jesus is inviting us to a clutter-free life, but not just that, a clutter-free soul. Why? For a purpose, for mission, so that we could join him. Here's what it looks like to choose mission over more. I have a cousin whose family lives with a tribe in Papua New Guinea. They've been there for a little over seven years and they just wrapped up sharing for the first time the gospel, the message of Jesus. They've spent the first few years, this whole time, just building relationships with these people, getting embedded in their culture and translating this undocumented language into a language that they could then teach the Bible, that they could share this good news He shared with me that for the first time, they have followers of Jesus in that area. Some of the first Christians in this area. And a key to their mission, simplicity. The water for their home is dependent on rain. There's a jug underneath the house that collects water. It determines how and when, how often they shower or when and what they're going to be eating for each meal. They have certain fruit and foods that they have to be very mindful of eating it quickly, right? Certain foods can, and fruits can spoil very quickly. So there's like, no, uh, we'll let this go bad. We'll go to Culver's tonight. We'll go on a quick run and go get some other food and go do this, right? No, no, no. They have to be very mindful of what they gather and what they eat and consuming these things before they go bad. My cousin mentioned he has one type of shirt, one type. He has five of them. He has five of this one type of t-shirt. He said the same thing about his shorts. He then jokingly brought up spoons. He said that every time they're stateside, they realize how many spoons we have. Anybody got a lot of spoons? He's like, why do we have so many spoons? You got ones for ice cream and soup and cereal, ones for stirring 
only stirring, ones for scooping. We've got wooden ones, plastic ones, metal ones, big ones, little ones, medium ones, all kinds of spoons. He said if he was to bring the people from his tribe to America to look at all of our things, they would be blown away. Not because it's a bad thing to have too many spoons, but because it would be silly to them. (laughs) They would think, why do you need this? Why do you have this? Now, here's here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm not trying to tell you to go purge your spoons, okay? I don't care how many spoons you have. I'm also not telling you to go move to the jungle tomorrow, okay? That is not what I'm doing. But I am inviting us, myself included, to ask, what do I have? What do I need? And what is all of this stuff doing to my soul? Maybe for you, the challenge is going on a spending freeze. Saying, I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to shop. Maybe it's just purging some of your belongings. Maybe it's having a garage sale. Maybe it's just going through your stuff and really asking, what brings me joy and what is going to stay in my home or in my life? My cousin so wisely put it, He said, we embrace a life of simplicity for the sake of people, for the sake of the kingdom. See, we are more free to be with them, to be with people, our neighbors, when we are not focused on all of our stuff, the the things we can consume or gather or collect, our TV and our video games, we can more relate to them. We can relate to people more by not having a plethora of good but useless items. Embracing a life of simplicity frees us up to live on mission in the life Jesus invites us to. The second area, second practice, is a simplicity of schedule. Many of us have full days and weeks and months, and by the end of it, full years. John Mark Comer had a podcast when this book first released with another Christian author named Jefferson Bethke who wrote a book titled To Hell with the Hustle, which is a fantastic title. He shares this thing that him and his wife do every year. They list out all of their commitments for the year, their dreams, their plans, and their hobbies. They write them on note cards and they lay them out over the table and then they pray. They consider what God has to say about all of these things. They ask what it is they should keep, what it is they should get rid of, what it is that they need to allow God to enter in and lead. What areas of their lives is God leading? See, simplicity is less about saying no to everything and more about being intentional with what we give our yes to. It's not just I'm going to say no to more. It's no, no, no. I'm going to be very mindful and intentional with my yes. So what are we giving our yes to? Is work pulling you away from the relationships that you need? Are family activities keeping you from living on mission? Are too many nights out actually just exhausting you? not rejuvenating your soul. You see, a lot of the things that fill our schedule are not bad. It's not bad to have a lot to do, but are they the best? Are they the best thing that God has for us? And right now, I I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I can't. You haven't seen my schedule. You don't know my life. You don't know what I have going on. I can't do that. But if you were to look at your life from another angle, 
you would see someone getting speed wobbles, going down a hill, shaking. And you have the choice, the invitation to slow down or wipe out. Let me put it this way. You get to slow down and simplify as a form of submission to and reliance on God. Trusting that God is God and I don't have to be. We get to slow down. You, who's overworking, staying out late, or bringing everything home, missing important time with the people you love. You get to slow down, to let go, to trust fall into the arms of a good God, to simplify. You, the, the, the parent who's exhausted, who feels like one thing keeps happening after the other, you feel like you exist to just shuttle people back and forth or put food in people's mouths. You, the young adult or student who's carrying the weight of the world, caught up in the next thing, trying to plan the next 10 years of your life and schedule yourself into success and happiness. You, the social butterfly who's saying yes to too many things, trying not to let anyone down, but all of this stuff is actually just stealing your joy and cutting your wings off. You get to slow down and breathe and let go and simplify and hand it over to God. And I know, I I don't wanna sound ignorant, I know this is hard. I know this is very difficult and I don't know what this specifically looks like for you, but can we together begin to ask God, what are the best things for my life? There are good things in your life, good things that fill your schedule and your day that you should keep but would we at least start to consider and reflect on giving it to God? What do I have? Am I handing it over to him? Am I pursuing God's best for me? Am I being intentional with what I give my yes to? Are we prayerfully considering ourself or our family's activities and jobs and schedule? Because we have too much and it's weighing us down. We cannot live flexible and spirit-driven lives when our schedule is full and we are exhausted. We cannot bring the light of the world to the world when we are burnt out. Remember, the invitation, we've been saying this whole series, the invitation is to light living, not a heavy burden. The invitation is that we would find our treasure in Jesus to see that we gain life when we let go. Embracing a life of simplicity frees us up to live on mission in the life Jesus invites us to. Here's the resolution. Jesus paints a picture of this life. He puts it very simple. He paints a picture of this life that he's inviting us to in John 10.10. He says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, it's very easy for us to view following Jesus as I have to give up everything. As if it's some sort of loss. 
since when did following Jesus become categorized as an L, as falling into the loss category? Friends, Jesus is not trying to take from you. He is trying to give you the ultimate good life, life to the fullest, life that is abundant and good and rooted in him and his ways. How do we get that? We seek him first. We say, I want you and everything else is coming second. We let everything else fall away. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. Like the old hymn says, Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? Well, there's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, the money, materials, the work, the schedules, the meetings, the upgrades, and the renovations will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. So seek Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Simplify your life for the sake of the people for the sake of the kingdom, embracing a life of simplicity, it frees us up to live on mission in the life that Jesus, in the good, abundant life that Jesus is inviting us to. We wanna invite you during this next song to just sit and reflect consider what it is that God wants to do in and through your life as we sing this song over you. And in a moment, we'll take communion together. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, thank you that we don't have to do or work or gather or collect to earn your love or to earn this good life. But rather, God, it is the opposite. It's hard, but it's simple. And so, God, I pray in this moment that you would stir something in us to see that it is only ever always about you, Jesus. Would we let everything else fall to the wayside? Would you become our priority? Would you fill us with a joy and a peace and a contentment and a love that overflows in our lives, that we would live lives that declare, all I want is you. God, in this moment, we turn our eyes upon you. We hand over our things and our schedules and our entire beings and we ask Jesus that you would have your way, that you'd guide us and you'd lead us. It is in your name we pray. Amen.